0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with John Harlow as we bring you a special edition of Talking in Circles, and we interview NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Tommy Joe Martins about his two-part blog post titled "The Problem." And joining us now is NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Tommy Joe Martins. Tommy, thanks for joining the show. No problem, Clayton. How are you doing, man? Good. Uh, first off, I just want to start off by saying, um, you know, for a race fan who's who's um, been watching this sport since I can remember, I want to say thank you because I thought it took a lot of courage for you to write what you did. Um, you know, you don't see that often, and I thought you hit the nail on the head with money becoming an underlying problem in this sport. Um, and I think it's a major issue and something that needs that doesn't see the light of day, and to bring it to the forefront. I felt was very important, uh, my first question to you is, what made you decide to write uh th- this th- these two posts? What made you decide to do that? I think it was a lot of frustration. Um,
1: you know I got on with uh Claire B Lang um, I believe it was a couple nights ago, and you know I think that's kind of the question everybody's asking is you know why did I do this? Why did I write this post? Didn't I know this could get me in trouble? Did't I know all this kind of stuff? You know, honestly, I didn't think it would get me in trouble. Um, I really didn't. I I knew that it was pretty scathing in some parts, but uh, but I also felt like it would maybe move the discussion forward with how we can try to start making things better in our sport. You know, I've been involved with it now uh, at a high level now for about six or seven years. Uh, And... I think NASCAR has worked really hard to try to make some changes, but unfortunately, for, for teams like ours, there really hasn't been much change. I don't think there's a lot of room in the sport for teams like ours. You know, it, it's just it's it's an uphill battle, and I just don't think a lot of people would sign up for that. So, uh, you know, I, and I've talked to NASCAR about this. I've talked to other people about it. I just think there's a lot of things we could maybe do better. And NASCAR has uh, voiced their concerns about some of the things that I said. You know, we've we've talked about that in private. And uh, we're gonna keep talking about it but but as far as you know why did I do it, I think I was just very frustrated. I think I was just I'm very frustrated with being in a sport where I feel like I can't advance unless I just get tremendously lucky uh through a sponsorship or I was just blessed enough to to have a lot of money to start off with and and I think that showed in the post now, what I did a very bad job of doing, and I have admitted this <laughs> a lot. I did a very bad job of showing how much I care about the sport, and so I think in a lot of ways it came across as extremely negative, and like we were ho- like it's hopeless and it's not going to get any better. And I just I don't believe that at all. I think there's some things we can work on and make it a lot better. And I think I need to express how much I care about the sport and how much I love the sport, and that's why I'm so frustrated with it.
2: Hey, Tommy, it's John Harlow, the co-host of the show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, One of the things I got out of your blog post was looking at it, how it is going forward. Uh, If you think about it, your truck series team, you're using everything, fighting tooth and nail, just to make sure you have enough to go from race to race and putting a lot of your family's investment into it. If you think about it, a lot of the purses do not match the investment the teams have to put into it. Uh, how much further do you see this business model going forward? And is that one of the things you're talking to NASCAR about to say, hey, we're not able to develop these young drivers going forward unless they're a cash cow. You're not getting the best talent as we go forward because the resources that NASCAR is paying for your performance in the race doesn't match what it takes for you to put a, a quality truck out there to compete with well
1: you know john i don't i don't know if you know i don't know if that's ever going to match you know that's that's the that's the problem you know with with the model the way that it is right now um, basically teams are getting paid about two to three thousand dollars worth of difference between about fourth place and about 28th, 28th place in the truck series you know so basically you're getting paid for for showing up in racing you know but the result really isn't a big diff you know differential. And the prize money, you know, I I don't know that we can ever get it to where, you know, if Kyle Busch Motorsports wants to spend, you know, $150,000 a race to put together a great truck or whatever number they're coming up with, you have to understand where that money is. You know, it's not in buying tires. You know, tires aren't costing $150,000. It's not just a motor. You know, I mean, the motor is expensive, but it's not all that money. A lot of it is overhead a lot of it is personnel that they're going to have at the shop working. You know, and all that factors into race costs. You know, so to sit there and think that the truck series is going to be able to pay $150,000 to win a race to where now that's a break-even model for Kyle Busch, I don't think that's true. I don't think we can ever get there. Uh, I do think we can maybe get to a point where the Xfinity series is, um, where teams that are able to basically work on a budget, and, you know, plan for a smaller crew and some travel concessions where we're not going to get to fly on a private jet every single time. But we're going to have to drive some races. We're going to have to do some things the old school way and try to save some money here and there. I think in the Xfinity Series, they're getting paid about somewhere around $25,000 a race, twenty or 25000 a race, something like that, if you're in the top 30 in points. And the NASCAR, you know, the way to pay out the money is a little convoluted. I'm not going to try to get down into that, but that's roughly what the number is. And I think we could get close to that. You know, I think that's pretty realistic. I, I think it's it's not crazy to think that if we made some changes uh, maybe to engines to maybe help the cost for that, if we made some changes to tires to maybe help the cost of that, if we, if we did some other things that, that could maybe cut, you know, some of the budgets for some of these teams, kind of in the mid-pack, I think what it would allow them to do is, is hand back over the power to the owners a little bit. You know, I, we're never going to stop money from coming into the sport and buying tremendously great equipment. But we can lessen the amount that that can affect the results on the racetrack. We can do that. You know, we can, we can lessen that. We can make money a, you know, a luxury but not a necessity. And, and that's all I'm trying to do here is try to think mm-hmm. of ways to, to maybe skew things that way. And I think we can absolutely – I think that's an achievable goal. And I, and I think that's something that NASCAR is very interested in doing. You know, but they have their hands tied in a lot of ways. And so I'm not beating NASCAR up. I don't want people to get the impression that I just, you know, took the gloves off on NASCAR. That's not true. They have a lot of things they're trying to balance. Um, But I also believe that I'm able to provide a unique perspective that a lot of teams in the garage are going through. You know, a lot of
0: teams are facing these issues. It's not just us. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I think about the Xfinity Series, and there's no doubt I think – part of the reason why the Xfinity Series is where it is, where we see Cup drivers and Cup teams dominating every week, is simply based off the fact that we have way too many NASCAR, NASCAR companion events companion to the Cup Series. Um, do you think if we maybe, you know, let, let's look at it this way. This year the Xfinity Series went to bump stops, and that was something that was different uh, than they had in the Cup Series in, in recent years. And I think that's even uh, made the playing field skewed, to, skewed towards the Cup Series drivers and teams even more because that's what they're used to. Um, but do you think we should maybe move some races from uh, some of the cup tracks and bring them to some of these local short tracks to where maybe these cup guys don't have the notes that uh, these, these series teams don't have and maybe kind of equal level the playing field that way? Well, I
1: know the best result that we've had all year was at Martinsville, and that was a short track. You know, we qualified eighth. We were the most competitive there with our motor and our car or excuse me, our truck, that, that was the most competitive we were all year, was at Martinsville uh, so far. And the second most competitive we were was at, um, at Eldora. And actually, I could probably say we were more competitive there. Now, I wasn't the one driving the truck JR Hefner was. Um, you know, so when we get to some places like that, sure, I, that absolutely helps the, the smaller teams, but I really try to stray away from that argument, to be honest. You know, that that sounds so great that we want to go to smaller tracks and we want to go to these short tracks, but the 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 fact of the matter is a lot of those facilities could not house an NASCAR truck series race just flat out from the amount of personnel that are going to be in the infield to the infrastructure of the racetrack to the track who has to pay for the, for the race. You know, you have to think about that. You know, how, where, where do you think the prize money for the race comes from? It comes from the track and it comes from um, sponsors for the race. You know, that, that's where that money's coming from. So, now you have a track, let's say the average purse for the truck series is somewhere around seven or $800,000. I'm, just, I'm stabbing at it. I don't really know exactly. I'd have to look at it. Let's say it's that. Well, how much is a track that holds 10,000 people going to have to charge to be able to make that kind of money back? You know, It's, it's pretty unrealistic in a lot of ways. You know, so I, I don't think it's necessarily that. Believe me, I think the answer here, if you want, if you want NASCAR to go back to those kind of tracks, then you better be rooting for NASCAR to buy a lot of those tracks. You know, that's that's what would do it. Uh, because the promoters and the track owners on their own to be able to get a NASCAR race that is a large financial commitment that a lot of tra- a lot of tracks can't can't possibly do. You know, I would love to see the trucks go to Nashville Fairground Speedway. It's a 5/8 mile track. It is perfect in every way for a truck series race. It would make for a great race. It has no safer barriers. The infield uh, would need a lot of TLC. Uh, they don't have a media center. They don't have an infield care center. They don't have any of those kind of facilities. You know, So when you start looking at that, you go, well, it's kind of unrealistic to think that the trucks could just show up at Nashville. There would be a lot of things that would have to change before they could do that. So in that sense, I think the scheduling is kind of in limbo. But The one thing I would like to see NASCAR do, you talked about companion events, you know, I. Companion events aren't the, aren't the devil. <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't really ever said that because that is what allows a team like mine to compete as a companion event. That's what's something a lot of people outside of the garage area don't know, is when we go to a solo event, a standalone event for the truck series, like we're going to go to Las Vegas as a standalone event at a mile and a half this year It's all the way across the country, that is a back-breaking event for a team like ours because, excuse me, there are no tires for us to be able to buy cheaply from any of the other series, like we can usually get them from Cup or Xfinity or anything like that. Well, now we're all, we're on our own, all the way across the country, and there's only 30 other trucks. And the really good teams are going to use up every bit of tires that they have, so the only things that we can get or we can afford are going to be the really cheap ones, and there's nowhere else to go. And so on events like that, that's something that nobody ever considers. Like, I'll tell you right now, when the Xfinity series goes to Road America, that might put on a great race in the front of the field. But the back half of that field is really struggling to figure out how they're going to get enough tires to make it through the weekend, you know, and that's a real concern. Same thing with that race they just had at Iowa. Trust me, there were a lot of guys there that that were really having to put their heads together to come up with a plan uh, to to make it all those laps.
2: Well, that's one of the things that we, Clayton and I have talked about on our show on a pretty regular basis is with the TV money that NASCAR is pulling in, I know you were saying about going to the smaller tracks, That the tracks have to put out more and more money. You'd think with as much TV money that is coming in that is spread out amongst the three series that the purses could climb to make the racing affordable to guys like you who are the independent guys, the ones you root for, who are using everything they can because they're pursuing a dream and doing everything they possibly can to give themselves the best chance at it. Um, has NASCAR given any indication that some of that TV money could funnel down? Because, like right now in the Cup Series, because of the charter, they're getting a percentage of the TV money. How much is do you guys get a percentage of the TV money, and is it something you guys are starting to discuss and put together sort of an owner's council for the trucks like the owners have for the Cup Series? Uh, you know, I, that's, that's that's information I'm not privy to.
1: Uh, It's I'm not, Uh, you know, I I know that the Cup Series uh, has always gotten the largest chunk of the TV money uh, that's involved in our purses, you know, uh, because there is an amount of TV TV money in every purse um, for every race. How much it is, I I don't know. And what's the breakdown for that? I don't know. I know the Cup Series gets the biggest chunk of it. Um, uh, The Xfinity Series and the Truck Series is kind of a frustrating deal in that sense, because it really costs us and the trucks the exact same amount to go to the racetrack as it does in XFINITY. It really does. We're going to get about the same amount of tires, maybe one set less. We're going to have the exact same motor. The only difference is in the XFINITY series, they're going to put more miles on the motor. But that's the only difference. And, and so the, the race cost going to the, to the, to the racetrack in the XFINITY series and the truck series for a small team like ours is roughly the same. But yet, in the trucks, I'm getting paid about $15,000 a race, and I'm having to scratch and claw to make it into the race every time because the the competition level in the truck series has been unreal this year. I mean, it really has. I mean, you have 24 basically fully funded teams out there racing. I mean, it has been very, very difficult to get top 20s in our series. Whereas out there in the Xfinity series, I don't mean to poke holes in it, but, I mean, the back 15 of the field is is very underfunded. It's very underfunded. Mm -hmm. And they're getting paid roughly 25000 a race for, for doing the same thing that we're doing. And so when I see that, I get very frustrated because I know, man, we're scratching and falling. We're trying to be very competitive. Like, believe me, our team is doing everything we can do to get good finishes and maybe attract a sponsor. And in a way, that's kind of hurt us, you know. It might have been better if we just took a, a start part kind of approach a little bit into some of these races, you know. But instead, we've kind of banged our head against the wall and god for it and tried to, to make the best of what we had because bit us uh, several times, you know. So, you know, as, as far as how they're going to move the money around, look, I, I'm not in any sort of negotiations with NASCAR, but when I look at the uh, collective bargaining agreements and stuff that happen in the NFL and the NBA and all these kind of things, and, and then I look at what's going on with NASCAR, where, you know, they, they've kind of dictated that, you know, to the teams. You know, it's, it's always been NASCAR, and they basically tell you how it is. And honestly, that hasn't always been a bad thing. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing now, but I do think that there, there maybe needs to be more input from teams like ours that are trying to make the business model of a NASCAR race team the same as a business model of a professional baseball team, maybe at the minor league level. You know, Like that can still be a successful business. You, know, you can still sell tickets. You can still make that a successful business where you can pay your players from the revenue and, and so on and so forth. I think a race team should be the same thing. If I'm making races, if I'm finishing races, if I'm not tearing up a lot of equipment, if I'm keeping my personnel fairly low, if I'm keeping my shop expenses pretty low, if I'm keeping my my racetrack costs as low as I can, I should be able to make that a profitable business that can succeed for years. And and that's going to allow me the freedom to go and get the best driver that I think I could possibly put in a truck. You know, at that point we're not tied to sponsorship anymore. At that point, we have a lot more freedom as owners, as drivers, uh, to put truly the best product on a racetrack that we possibly can.
0: Uh, As an independent driver and somebody who uh, competes against big teams every week, uh, it's been a hot topic for a long time here, the last couple of years especially, about uh, cup drivers coming to run the Xfinity Series and the Camping World Truck Series and even cup owners in those series. Uh, do you think there should be a rule to prevent uh, Cup drivers from coming down to one of those series to each of those series uh, to kind of help level the playing field a little bit? Uh,
1: yes, I've been very, very vocal about this, and uh, this is something that's not going to change for a long time. Um, I do think it's hurting the sport. I, you know, I think NASCAR has tried desperately to to reach out to get new audience, you know, to, to try to bring in new fans to the sport, and I think that is one of the most Confusing things to a new fan uh, when you try to explain why Kyle Busch is racing in the Xfinity Series race um, when he's racing in the cup race the next day. Uh, New fans just simply do not understand that. So we can get away from the competition aspect. We can get away from all the other reasons I could list you for not thinking that they should be there. Um, But uh, the sponsorship dynamics of this sport have changed drastically. So if somebody is going to spend... $300,000 or a million dollars or whatever they're going to spend as a sponsor to try to sponsor an XFINITY series car that is a competitive car, right? Something that can go up there and win a race. Well, then they're not going to sponsor me to be in it. You know, they're going to sponsor Kyle Busch uh, as long as we give them the option to. And that's what I see. You know, they they want a sure thing. Uh, They want something that's guaranteed, to produce results, they, they want something that they can market with their products and can get immediate feedback with that. So, to sit there and say, well, if we got rid of the Cup guys, you know, all those sponsors would sponsor unknown drivers, I really don't believe that's true at all. I believe they just wouldn't sponsor NASCAR. I think we have given them a door that they have walked through for a very long time. And, you know, if we just close that door completely off, I don't think that's going to do a lot of good to the sport either. You know, so I can see where NASCAR is coming from with that. I, I think we've kind of We've made this bed, and we kind of have to lay in it for a little bit. But, but I think NASCAR has taken the first of a small series of steps to, I think, eliminate this problem. You know, I think they have said, okay, well, the the Cup drivers can't race in in the the you know the chase, I believe, or maybe the last race of the year, or the championship race, or something like that. Where that was maybe the first step in potentially a long series of steps to kind of whittle that away a little bit and, and draw the focus to more unknown drivers and drivers that are trying to make a name for themselves instead of being overshadowed.
2: There's two parts of what I'm looking at with this one is first of all, put your young driver hat on and like you said, you guys are out trying to do everything you can to scratch and fight and make sure you make all the fields and make sure you're competitive every time you go out. And there's other people in your area I mean your age group like the Brandon McReynolds is the Corey LaJoys The Jeb Burtons, they have name recognition, and they don't have rides because they don't have dollars falling right in behind them. Do you see the possibility of NASCAR's driver pool getting pretty thin here pretty soon with Stewart, Biffle, Kenseth, all those guys hitting their 40s and not far from retiring? It doesn't seem like the pool of drivers coming up is like it used to be because the cup drivers are coming down and sucking up all the money or the people with the cash cow behind them have the, are buying the good rides and you guys are out there fighting and kicking and clawing just to get into the race. And the other one is, as you look down the road, you see the owners at the cup level, Roger Penske's almost 80, Jack Roush, Joe Gibbs in their seventies, Rick Hendricks in his sixties. I mean, the only one who's under 50 is Tony Stewart. So, where are the owners going to be in a few years? Are you looking at a sport that could be possibly on the brink of being in big trouble?
1: I, I think I showed that in the blog uh, that I am worried at where we're going, uh, but that does not mean that I'm, I'm I'm hopeless for where the sport is headed. You know, and, and I think that's that's the mistake that I think NASCAR was a little frustrated about uh, when I spoke with them. Um, they don't feel like I you know obviously I don't, they don't think i did anything with the intent of harming the sport but they do feel as though my blog left room on the table for people to interpret it as why would anybody want to be a part of this and i that that's absolutely not what i was trying to do and i'm not trying to say that NASCAR is doomed i'm not saying that at all in fact i think there's a lot of talented young drivers you know and, and here's the thing talent is not exclusive with money, like, that's not mutually exclusive. Right? Just because a guy is bringing money or has a sponsor behind him doesn't mean he's not talented. William Byron is extremely talented, and he has a and he has a great sponsor with him, and he has a great head on his shoulders. He's going to make it to the cup level. right? He's going to be put in a position throughout these development series, trucks, Xfinity, to really show what he's capable of, just like Eric Jones was. Eric Jones was put in a top-level ride at both of those levels. He showed he's got tremendous talent. Well, now 5-Hour Energy has picked him up as a sponsor. He's going to a great team at the cup level, right? So I don't think the sport is doomed, not in any sense of the, of the word. But I do think that at the lower levels, we're not giving everybody a fair chance to succeed simply because it doesn't matter how good or bad of a driver you are, as long as you can basically just keep the thing together. If you're in a top-flight truck or a top-flight Xfinity car, you're going to finish ahead of me, no matter how great of a driver I am. You're going to beat me every week. And so the impression that that gives to sponsors and the fans that, that don't know anything or don't know any better is that that guy is just a better driver than me. And mm-hmm. that's where I get frustrated uh, when I see other guys that are just as good at drivers as me or, or maybe better or, you know, wherever I fall in line in a pecking order of, of talent in the sport. I see guys that are not as talented and they're the ones that are moving up in the sport. And that is a very frustrating thing uh, to see uh, because I, I feel like we're not rewarding the hard work and the effort uh, that a lot of these guys are putting in, and 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 you can't just shrug your shoulders and go, "Well, that's just the sport." I just don't find that
0: as an right. acceptable
1: answer. I just I refuse to, to find that acceptable. I, I just think that we can do other things to
0: make that better. I, I one agree. Thing, and, I, and here's oh, go ahead, John. Uh,
2: while we're on this, when you're in the garage with the Brad Keselowski racings, the Kyle Busch Racing, the uh, Cowboy Racing, the other the Thor Sports, the top teams in the truck series, how many of the owners come down to you and say, Hey, you did a heck of a job getting everything you could out of your truck. And are they looking at you as possibly hopping into one of their rides? Or are they saying, okay, what do you got behind you? Now that you've showed yourself in your uh, family owned team, that's doing everything they can to survive. You know, I've
1: had owners uh, at the Arca level. I've had owners at the truck series level. I've had team managers, in the, in the Xfinity series all say that they would really love to to give me a chance in their equipment. You know, Eddie Sharp at the ARCA level said that he thought I was a championship-level driver, but he couldn't put me in a car for free. And he had Justin Lofton at the time and, and another guy named Craig Ghost who wound up kind of washing out of the sport a little bit and kind of struggled at the ARCA level. Uh, you know, that's, that's one. Eddie Sharp wound up going to trucks. He said he'd love to have me there, but we, we didn't have the funding for that you know so that was that was a no-go um you know over at gms we've had a pretty good relationship with them that's where we got some of our equipment they've they've been really uh really a blessing to us in the sense of of encouragement you know looking at what we're doing with some of the equipment that we have and and being down a horsepower and being down a little bit they they notice let me put it that way guys notice what we're doing and so that's been rewarding you know i think the biggest thing i've always looked for in racing is to uh have the respect of the guys in the garage area because I knew that I wouldn't ever really get a lot of respect from the media or fans. I wouldn't really get my, my name out there a whole heck of a lot from that, you know, but to, to know that there are guys in the garage area that respect me, you know, you talked a little bit about Brandon McReynolds and Corey LeJoy and some of those guys that have a little bit more name recognition than I do. You know, they're in the same spot that I'm in. And so I think they've developed a lot of respect for me. I've had a lot of them kind of reach out to me and just tell me, you know, how, how, how encouraged they were uh, that somebody else kind of feels the same way, and maybe, maybe got it down on paper and expressed it. You know, so that, that's been encouraging. You know, I, 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 I don't think that's going away, though, guys. I think with the amount of money that these guys are spending on the equipment, it creates, it creates a never-ending cycle, right? So, like Robbie Benton uh, was a that's a great owner in the, the Xfinity series. That's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. You know, Robbie Benton had James Buescher driving for him in that Rheem car there for I think that was 2014, maybe 2015. Robbie Benton knew that bad times were on the horizon. But now what's he supposed to do? He had had guys stepping into that car like Alex Bowman, um, funded drivers that had come through there. Well, at that point, you've built your program up, right? You've got a lot of personnel. You're trying to run up front. You're trying to win races. Uh, You're building new cars. You're, You're leasing motors. By, by trying to compete at that level, you basically set yourself up on a business model that's designed to fail. As soon as that sponsorship money goes away or that driver leaves or whatever happens, you're bankrupt. You can't sustain where you're at. You know, so I think that's the problem. The problem is competition and, and greed. And, and I don't say greed. That's not the right way. Greed in the sense that you want to do well, right? Like you want to finish up front. But to finish up front, you kind of have to keep up with the Joneses. And to do that, you got to spend a whole heck of a lot of money. You got to have a lot of personnel. You got to have a lot of research. You got to have great equipment, leased motors, all this stuff. And when you do that, you're setting yourself up for your business model to have the rug completely pulled out from under it. And I don't know that you're going to get rid of that completely. I just don't know that you're ever going to do that. I think the guys in the front are just going to count on that money constantly coming in. And in the
0: case of Kyle Busch Motorsports,
1: right now that money is coming in,
0: and that's why they're running so well. I have uh, two more for you, if you don't mind. Um, one is the Delta program. You talked about it in your part one blog about the Delta program that uh, we had Mike Aferrano on, who's a truck series driver. uh, And he talked about that earlier in the year that asked at at the end of last year, excuse me, in in the off season saying that they were going to go to more of what most fans might know as a crate engines. Um, And for some reason it didn't get any legs. Uh, What was the deal behind that whole thing with the Delta program? You know, I, I don't want
1: to dive too much into that, guys. Simply because I, you know, I, I don't know where NASCAR is standing on that. You know, I, I don't want to get into the real specifics of it. I, I do know this: that the Delta program was not, it was not a a crate program. I can tell you that. That's not what it was. Uh, the Delta program was the idea of having a more affordable lease engine um, for the trucks, basically. Uh, whereas right now, top level lease programs are. Very expensive, you know thirty to forty thousand dollars per race in the truck series for a very competitive motor, right well, the delta program was going to be about half of that you know for for you to go through the series and and have a very competitive motor, and they showed us the stats on it. It was going to be a competitive motor. The problem was that there weren 't going to be enough teams to do it to, for to make any sense for them to start producing the motors and that was the issue uh, they didn 't get enough teams to sign up. And the reason that I think they didn't get enough teams to sign up is because there wasn't a, there weren't, there weren't, there wasn't a market for it. Like a team like mine, even though you're telling me that's half of $40,000, well, I still can't afford 20000 It's still unaffordable. It's still a pie in the sky. You know, I think a much better model for this is the idea of a truly spec engine like you're seeing out there in the East Series or the West Series. I think that is a model you can move forward with. Uh, with purchasing motors that were more competitive um, for smaller teams. But I think you're going to get a lot of pushback on that from bigger teams with bigger budgets that can afford these top flight motors. They don't don't want a team like mine to be able to purchase a motor and and cut that cost in half, especially when you're KBM, who's somebody that that has a a Toyota deal where you're exclusive with Toyota, and now Toyota has spent these millions of dollars to develop this this great engine, and a team like mine can come in for – Thirty or forty grand and buy a motor that's just as good, and there's something that's probably not fair about that, you know. Uh, and so I don't know what exactly the answer would be there, but as far as like that engine program, yeah, that was, a, that was a great idea. The idea of a more affordable lease engine. The problem is, is that the teams in the back still can't afford the affordable lease engine. You know, we, we have to basically own our own stuff. There there is, there is no middle ground anymore. I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Is that there's no middle class. There is no middle class of truck series teams or Xfinity series teams. You know, there's, there's the haves and the have-nots, you know. And so the haves are going to have those great motor programs, and the, the have-nots are just going to be doing whatever they can to get to the racetrack. You know, so I just don't think there was much of a market for the motor they were trying to do. Great idea, great idea, and it, and it
2: looked like it was going to be a great thing,
1: but I just don't think they had a big enough market
2: for it. One of the things you look at, Like you said, with the difference, I mean, in reality, it's about a 10 grand difference what you said between driving a truck, what you're getting paid for that, and what you would be getting paid for driving an Xfinity car. Why stay in the trucks whenever it's going to cost you about the same to do either one, and you have more companion events with the Xfinity series? When do you say, okay, our business model says I need to go to the Xfinity series so we can keep driving because it just isn't affordable enough in the truck? We can do a little bit more in the Xfinity series and grow a little bit more. When do you look at possibly making the move of saying, okay, we're going to move to the Xfinity series and try it up there?
1: Uh, we've already thought about it. Uh, the problem right now is just cost
2: benefit. You know, it's
1: how much would it cost us to convert to an Xfinity team? You know, we would have to get cars, maybe we would have to get different motors. It's the middle of the year. We have no points to fall back on. We have no way of getting there. You know, we would need more people. It's an every week sort of thing, whereas the truck series is a little more spread out. And <clears throat> so that was our thinking going into it was that looking at the truck series last year, we thought that with our, our team, we could go and be a top 20 team every week. We, we thought that. that. That was our goal was to go be a top 20 team every week, top 20 in speed, and every once in a while, maybe run up there and get a top 15 or something like that and, and run, run okay. Well, what wound up happening is the truck series got flooded with new talent, new sponsors, new money, uh, new teams, and, and great equipment. And so top 20 became very difficult, very difficult to achieve. And so that was taking away roughly you know three or $4,000 worth of prize money out of our pocket every single week and now there's a lot of money for us and so it's made the the truck series a very very tough place to live as a team but now we're committed we have all the equipment we have all the points we have all this stuff and we, we can't really go anywhere we're kind of handcuffed for the rest of the year you know so our goal is to go out there and do the best we can possibly do to hope that we can attract a sponsor we can attract some sort of support uh, to maybe improve our program look i would rather be in trucks Let me me make that very clear. I would rather be – I want to be a truck series driver for 10 years. That's where I want my career to be. I want to be Matt Craft and I want to be Johnny Sauter. I want to be Timothy Peters. I think those guys have had tremendous NASCAR careers and a ton of respect, race for wins, championships. Man, that's that's what I want. So if Martin's Motorsports could stay in the truck series, that's where we want to stay. But right now I think we have to work on that that business model to be able to make that a little bit more – Realistic, you know, for for teams like ours, you know, this is where we want to be. Uh, I think you can be more competitive in the truck series simply because you do not have um, the Cup teams and the Cup drivers dropping down in the truck series as much. I can get a lot more notoriety. I can get more TV coverage in the truck series by, by finishing in the top ten than I could maybe in the Xfinity series coverage. You know, so for me, it's a great place to be. But you know, we we got to fix uh, kind of the I don't want to say fix, maybe that's not the right word, but assist, <laughs> you know, some teams kind of finishing in the middle of the pack
0: and how we can tweak this to make it a little bit better for guys like us. Uh, one more question for me, and, and I'll let you go, and I appreciate your time. Um, I sure. know, and I'm sure this is the same way with you and with, and with John, my co-host here. When I was a kid, I dreamed of, you know, being like uh, a race car driver or even a baseball player, and that I felt with hard work and, and a lot of talent, I could make that work. Um, I think right now, and you touched on this in your blog. I think right now in NASCAR, the problem is that um, if you dream that, you need a lot of money behind you to make that happen. Um, do you think if we if if we made some changes to this business model, and we brought the money down a little bit to where the money wasn't as big as an issue, that it might help the younger generation? Because NASCAR has been trying here for the last the last couple of years. To really hit the younger generation, I just think part of the reason why the younger generation isn't interested in NASCAR is because the dream is such an unre- unrealistic possibility without a whole lot of money. Do you think that we need to make that dream a little bit more possible again?
1: No, I think I think it's a marketing thing
0: too, and I touched on that in my second blog,
1: I, you know, or, or maybe my first—I can't remember. It was one of them. Wow. <laughs> it was one of the blogs I hit on. You know, I think that we don't market NASCAR as an action sport as much anymore. You know, drifting and Rallycross and a lot of this stuff, that's been marketed as an action sport. You know, NASCAR is an action sport. Let me, let me tell you, NASCAR is an action sport. And I don't think we've done a great enough job of showing that to, you know, that age demographic everybody looks for, thats 16 to 25. You know, I don't think we've shown that enough. Now, I will say this. I went to a drifting event, okay, out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. There were guys that brought their cars out there. They're burning through tires like crazy. One guy showed up in a stock. G thirty five Infinity. I mean straight up, like seat belts, everything. Didn't change a thing to it. Went out there, yanked on the handbrake, slid the thing around, smoked, got out of the car, laughing, had some beers with his friends, right? That's the same car that he drove to work. Right? You know, the guys that go to the drag strip, drive their car out there, drive it down the racetrack, take it home. That's that that is where NASCAR was thirty or forty years ago, right? Like, that's where we were. It was basically stock cars that you drove to the track, you raced them, you drove them home, right? Well, we're, we're way far from that now. What we could do, and this is racing as a whole, is we could make the lower series that are supposed to be entry-level series bigger deals. We could do that. You know, that's not, that's not unrealistic to think that instead of having 17 different classes at the local racetrack, you could have seven or six, or five, or less, you know, where it's basically a much simpler thing to follow and understand and get into, and it's cheaper, and you can go out there and race and have fun, and as competitive as we are, we all have to take that down just a bit of a notch, because every time somebody pushes the envelope in the racing, everybody else is forced to tag along, you know, so as rules-making bodies, we have to do a good job of policing that, Uh, you know, we want the sport to grow, we want it to develop, we want it to change over time, We want to get safer, faster, more competitive. But there's some things that are probably frivolous that we have to limit, and there's some things that we should allow, you know. Uh, And that's all a a judgment of cost-benefit, basically. And, uh, you know, I'm not the one to be making a lot of these calls. But, yeah, absolutely. I I think a a person that's trying to get into the sport, they're taught, even at the legends level, that unless they have the best legends car there, they can't win. You know, and so when, when you're introduced to that, it's such a young age or whatever age you're getting into it, you know, that's like running into a brick wall, you know, for your dream. And you're just, you're left kind of shrugging your shoulders going, okay, well, it's got to get worse from here. So we've got to all do a better job. And this is, this is not aimed at NASCAR, right? This is aimed at the industry. I think we all have to do a better job of, of getting this to the point where that at the lower levels, if we can't get people into the sport at the lower levels at a reasonable price, you know, racing is never going to be cheap, but it can be cheaper. And if, if we can't mm-hmm. lower that, that cost for the average person to get into the sport, then it's going to be an elite sport. And that's not what racing was meant to be. Racing was meant to be able to connect to the average person because the, everybody drives a car, you know, and you watch it on TV, and it's, it's the same as baseball where you're like, well, all they're doing is hitting the ball. All they're doing is catching the ball. I could probably do that, right? It's like you could reach out and touch it. That's what connects people to it. But when they try to get into it and it's immediately unrealistic, yeah, absolutely. I think that turns a lot of people off. So I think we have to do a much better job of that at every level, especially the lower levels. And like I said, that's not NASCAR. That's your local short track. You know, that's, your, that's your local late model series. That's everybody has got to do a better job of taking a good, hard look at the rules and the way they're promoting things and trying to do better and changing it a lot for the next era of drivers and fans that are going to come through this sport. Hopefully, I want this thing to be around and prosperous for a long time after I've gone. You know, I want to be able to pass it it down to my kids. You know, and I think we all want the same thing. I think we all just have very different visions of what that might be and what's good for the sport. And I think, if anything, these blogs that I've done, maybe have started a a very healthy discussion of what we can
2: do to make it better. Absolutely. Well, the one thing that I got out of your blog, and no matter how you thought you said it, it shows your passion for the sport and you th- you could have said I mean you said whenever we first started talking, I don't know if it showed my passion it showed your passion for the sport it shows how much you want it, how bad you want it, and you just want a somewhat equal playing field, not where you're starting the game three balls, two strikes, and you know the guy's going to throw a splitter and you can't hit a splitter That's what it looks like you're saying is like give me a chance at least let me. Give me a a full count, but make him throw a fastball to me. And I can hit a fastball, so give me a shot at something I can hit. And that's what it seemed like it was trying to do. Um, And I'll tell you, whenever I first uh, read the blog, Clayton pointed it out to me. And this is something Clayton and I have talked about for a couple years. I think the best racing in NASCAR right now is in the truck series. I appreciate you giving the honest thoughts of somebody who's fighting, kicking, clawing, doing everything they can to make their dream come true and live the life that they want to do and be a driver in this sport. So I give you all the kudos in the world for telling your story. And please, unless you get hauled into the – yanked into the hauler on a regular basis, please keep sharing it with us.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. You know, the one thing that I want to say in closing is I've had a lot of people ask me, um, well, why are you doing this? You know, why are you – not not why am I writing blogs? Why are you out there? If you're complaining about this, if you're saying it's so crazy and there's no chance for you to do anything about it and all this, you know, why are you even out there? Stop whining, you know. Stop complaining. Stop, you know, downplaying everybody else and talking crap about everybody. You know, so you just knock it off. You look like a whiny baby. You know, I've had a lot of people give me that feedback, which kind of unsettles me a little bit. And, and I don't want to end on a negative note here, but I think the reason that I'm writing all this is because. I just think that we can, be, we can all make it better. You know, I think that's the thing. Is I don't want people to walk away from my blog going, well, he, just, he hates NASCAR and he hates racing. And then why is he out there? You know, what an idiot. You know, they're just losing all this money. Right. In there. Well, how stupid. Here's the thing. I want to be a NASCAR driver. NASCAR is the only level of racing in this country where I could be a professional stock car driver. That's it. You can't do it at the late model level. It's not going to pay enough money. You can't do it anywhere else. You know, it has to be at the NASCAR level that you can be a professional. That's it. And that's where I want to be. I want to be a professional race car driver. That has been my goal my entire life. Now, now, how we get to this point, you know, how, how people get to the NASCAR level, there's a lot of different paths. The path that I had to get through wasn't somebody scouting me or anything like that. It was just us saying, you know what, we're going to go do this, and we're going to try to make a business that works. And unfortunately, I feel like after being out here, uh, that is a much bigger struggle than we thought it would, was going to be. And that's been my experience with it. My experience at the NASCAR level has been frustrating, to say the least. I think that's what came across in that blog. What did not come across was how badly I want to be here, you know, and, and how, how much I love NASCAR and how, how much everybody that's out there loves NASCAR. You know, I think everybody wants to be there. Everybody wants to watch NASCAR. It's the top. It's the highest level. So I think if we're fixing things or doing things better there, I think it trickles down to everybody else. And and so, you know, people asking me, Well, why are you doing this? You sound like a whiny baby. I hope I don't. I hope I sound like somebody <laughs> that just really cares and, and is trying to make the best of my career in the sport, which might be uh much shorter than I want it to be, you know, but I want to be out there for a long time. I want to be successful for a long time and, and that's that's how hopefully everybody would look at the blogs and look at what i'm writing uh,
0: that's what i did and it from somebody who's gotten a lot of flack to the exact things you're talking about about being negative and stuff over recent years i your message just hit home to me because it was just it just you know the way i look at it is um before i let you go here is it's just it's a i love this sport more than anything and i've, I've said that numerous times And i, I want to see it prosper i want to see it I want to make it interesting for the fans down the road where I can bring in somebody, a friend of mine, and say, look at this. This is what's cool. This guy's from, you know, nowhere, North Carolina, and he made it big to NASCAR. Um, and that's what I want to see. I want that story where people go, wow, you know, that could be me kind of thing. And uh, it's it just, you know, I just think we've gotten away from that in this sport. For, and, and it might be a problem, like you discussed, that is way far out where we can't reel it back in to get that, but we can at least try to make the rules and try and figure out a way to at least bring that back to a little bit more reality. Tommy, thank you so much, and I know John's going to feel the same way. Thank you so much for taking your time. I know you're busy getting ready for Bristol, and we appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you,
1: guys. Look, I don't want to be known as the negative guy. (laughs) I want to be known as as the guy that loves NASCAR more than anybody else. And so I think a lot of the tone uh, that I've taken with this has been maybe a little strong, Um, but it has generated a lot of interest. I'll say that you know. I guess there's no there's no publicity like bad publicity uh, in, in that in that
2: sense. Just so really spell your name you guys. right,
1: guys. Yeah, I know, right? I <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun to talk about uh, our sport.
2: Thank
0: you. Thanks again.
1: All right, guys. Uh, that
0: was Tommy Joe Martin's uh, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver and NASCAR former NASCAR Xfinity Series driver. Uh, And John, you know, let's just discuss this for here for like three or four minutes. Um, you know, I thought it was a, he he, you know, and I understand where he's coming from. That a lot of people look at it as negative. And when I read it originally, I thought he was going to get a lot of flack for it because it was just the fact that um, he rubbed he rubbed some people the wrong way. Because, you know, money is a very very touchy subject, and I think people will look at it and. But this the way I look at it is this, in my opinion, um, I think this sport the business model needs to change a little bit and we need to get a little bit better to make it more even for the guys who are trying to make it in like Tommy Joe Martin's. And I think that's all he was trying to do was say, hey, you know what, let's get let's figure out a way to kind of get this business model um a little bit more even for teams like me uh compared to the Chuck to Cup Series teams.
2: Well I think it's one of the things that you and I have talked about many times is and I brought it up when we were talking to him, you've got the Joe Gibbs, you've got the Roger Penske's, you've got the Jack Roush's who are all in their 70s. Most of the ownership at the cup level is about ready to go away. Those guys are racers who decided to become owners. Where is the next generation of racers who are going to be owners at the cup level? And I think he wants to be one of that generation where he wants to be a racer who, whenever he gets done in the seat, wants to become an owner, build his own team, and grow in the sport. It's not there for them to be able to do it. It's all, I mean, he basically said without going too crazy about it the deck is unbelievably stacked against them, and they're mm-hmm. just trying to survive. You're not going to just survive 10 years down the road when Rick Hendrick decides he's retiring, Joe Gibbs is done, and maybe Coy doesn't have the same passion for it that JD, JD Gibbs did that Roger Penske doesn't really have anybody to put it down to unless Tim Kendrick, uh, Tim Sindrick, takes over. But, again, yeah, it's one of them, what happens next? Nobody. There's right. no real succession plan for Roush. Uh, Chip Ganassi's having sponsorship troubles with Target. That they, they backed away from his IndyCar team. and They've got one more year with uh, Kyle Larson next year. He even said flat out, your business model, you make it up. He took the Robbie Benton case when the sponsor goes away, the business model dries up. And that's where one of the things where the TV money that NASCAR is getting, which is a billion plus dollars needs to funnel down to the teams to where your purse at the end of the year is higher than your operating costs. Yeah. I think
0: with the RTA, I think that was one of their main missions, at least in the cup series was to, figure out a way to get some of that money. When they saw that QE contract signed and they saw this money NASCAR got, I think they said, you know what, we want a little bit more piece of that because um, that, you know, we we have, in that in the Cup Series especially, and I don't, I don't know if this is the same thing with trucks in, in vicinity, but truck Cup Series, you've got to remember they've built new race cars here with the COT and then the Envision. of this new race cars twice since 2007. So all their old equipment is junk. So I think these owners were kind of getting a little bit annoyed saying, you know, well, we're spending all this money – Try to make the product a little bit better, and we're not seeing a big piece of the TV money. I think that hell a lot to do with the RTA. But he mentioned Robbie Benton. Robbie Benton is a, a great, a great um, uh, example because you know he's a guy who was an Arca. He made his name in Arca, built, made his fortune in Arca. Decided to move up to the to Xfinity Series. Had a pretty good Xfinity Series team. Um, you know he ran with Alex Bowman there for a while, and Alex Bowman did very well with that team. Um, and he. You know, unfortunately, he lost his sponsorship to Richard Childress, and that was the end of him. So uh, it was it was a tough deal. But um, you know, it's 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 a business. It's just a business model that we're talking about here. And I think there are some things. You know, I don't think it was anything that was outrageous. I don't think people knew already. I think if you're a a very intelligent race fan or a race fan that pays attention every week and knows what's going on, I think you understand what what is uh, the business model's going on. But I think hearing it from, the, from somebody who's in this sport, it's a good thing because it's like, you know what, um, we, maybe we do need to look at some, some things differently. Maybe it will put the ball in motion a little bit quicker than what we've seen in the past. And that's, I think that's what maybe his goal was with that, uh, at least part of it was, to see the ball, ball in motion a little bit faster to try and get the business model closer to competitiveness for the smaller teams, and uh, hopefully that, you know it does that.
2: I think, again, one of the stuff that came through with it is you have the guy who's working his you-know-what off, and because he sat down and wrote his thoughts after the race at Pocono, he's made a trip to the hauler. So he's had some talks with NASCAR about what he sees, what he feels about it. Claire B. had him on the other night, and when had Claire B. ever had him on? So by him being open and telling his thoughts, he's actually gotten some publicity about it that he probably hasn't had before, which could possibly turn into somebody saying, "Hey, we'll buy a set of tires for you" or something like that, and you could end up seeing them getting slowly but surely more competitive. So that's like I said, whenever we were talking to him, please don't be keep sharing your thoughts as long as you don't keep get mm-hmm. you don't get beat up at the hauler and fined every time. Show you. I mean, show what you're doing. Talk about it, and you never know who could end up seeing it.
0: Yeah, I agree, John, and I appreciate you coming on again, helping me out today on Talking Circles. I could do every week. I uh, thought so it was a great interview, and again, I want to thank Tommy Joe Martins for coming on, spending a, a lot of time with us. It was it was very nice of him. He's got a busy schedule out there, getting prepared for Bristol next week, uh, and it's gonna be. A, it was a lot of fun to talk to him and get you know some some information of uh, some inner workings that's going on in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Thank Tommy Joe Martins again. I'll thank John Harlow again. Uh, And we'll see you next time here on Talking in Circles. Goodbye, everybody.